Welcome to everyone to this episode of Shine Abroad. I'm here today with Eugenio Cibruscola that's going to speak with us about his experience. Welcome, Eugenio. Thank you, Dale, for inviting me. It's quite exciting and I look forward to this, uh, this session today. We look forward to it too. We'd like to introduce yourself and share briefly what you do during working hours and outside the office hours. Sure, it'll be quite an interesting answer given that uh, nowadays we are uh, stuck in the house, so I think there won't be any inside working hours and outside. But um, in principle, I'm Eugenia, I'm originally Italian, I moved to London almost five years ago, and I work in the field of IoT. So for those of you who might not be familiar with it, it means it stands for uh, Internet of Things, so a lot of devices uh, connected. So during my, uh, in my daytime, so during my, in my job, what I do, I spend a good amount of time with the uh, teams in big data, analytics, uh, and product management, but also sales and clients to develop solutions and, and product uh, that are based on data. So what we call analytics-driven uh, slash data-driven uh, products. But apart from that, what I do in my uh, spare time, uh, Kind of varies. Um, trying to stay as fit as possible, so you know, do a lot, a lot of walking, uh, a lot of running. I do spend some time writing as well. So I've started, you know, picked up a habit of, uh, of writing medium. And then on top of that, uh, I, I do some mentoring on the side. So I mentor young adults, either around their uh, career choices, but also uh, in case they have a business and they need someone, uh, an extra pair of eyes to guide them through the process of. You know, developing their ideas. It's quite busy life, the US yes. look like. <laughs> myself entertained, yes. You mentioned that you're Italian and you live now in London, but in my understanding, you lived also in different countries throughout your career. Yeah, that's right. So London has been home, like I said, for the last five years, but I really started moving around, if you will, back in 2006. 2006 uh, was a time that I uh, uh, that I went out for uh, an exchange program in the, in the US back in high school, and ever since then, it, you know, I picked up the uh, travel bug, if you will, and I relocated to to the Netherlands after uni, then China, Portugal, Brazil, back to Portugal, uh, to ultimately landing in, uh, in London. So has been. Quite of traveling around for personal slash educational and uh, career purposes. Uh, but ultimately, yes, I've been landed in, uh, in London for the last five years. In these last five years, do you feel London to be home for you? A very good question. I would say yes, uh, but it really, it really depends on, on how you define home, right? Because once you start moving around your idea or let's say your parameters, your KPIs for, that you might use, define home will change right so i do know that my home is back home in italy so i, I know that for for actors that's where my family is and, and somebody might decide that family is the reason why they call a place home uh, and someone else might decide that they call uh, a place home because that's where they have their friends in my case most of my friends are scattered around the world uh some of them uh, some of the good ones that i have are in london but then i have my family back home so london is as home as it gets today so i would say i have double home i have a home in in, in italy where i go to because i've got my parents and my, my relatives um but then i have some good friends not only based in italy but in london so london is where i do most of my trainings in terms of work 
and it is also where I have some good friends as well. So yes, I would say classifying as home. So in my understanding, home for you is where your heart is sitting and where your heart is connected with others. That could be family or friends. That's right. And you mentioned, if I understood right, that you spent some time in Portugal, you keep traveling, and then for some reason you went back to Portugal. That's right, yeah. How was the experience of Eugenio the first time in Portugal, and then Eugenio coming back, living there? It was fine. I know it sounds easy as, a, as, a, as an answer, but it was fine, because by the time I got to Portugal the first time, overall my third, if not fourth, relocation to a country. So you already kind of have in your mind, you have some sort of framework that you use, right? That as long as you have certain things in place, then that works. So it wasn't, I wouldn't call it, it wasn't so, so shocking as a move and it didn't really impact me much. I think the main difference that I noticed was that I was living in China before making a move to Portugal. And therefore the biggest difference that I've seen is uh, the speed at which China grows versus speed at which Portugal was growing at the time. Now has grown massively ever since. So there was definitely a different vibe. But in terms of personal feeling, when I landed into Portugal, for me, it was, it was curiosity. Find out what's, uh, what, what's the difference in Portugal compared to my experience in China and my experience in, in, in Netherlands and, and how to make the most out of it. There is something else that, you know, I, at that time, I was very keen to learn Portuguese. So for me, there was also the element of let me get the most of my experience in Portugal and later on in Brazil, because that was always the plan. And therefore, it kind of helped me frame my landing in, in, in Portugal in a, in a more, I would call it strategic, but pragmatic way as well. So there was a purpose and intention behind the decision. To That's right. Well, it was at a time where I was uh, looking to advance my you know, education, so taking on a master's and so on. And the idea of being part of a program that would allow me to study in two Portuguese-speaking countries, namely Portugal and Brazil, was very appealing. So there was an intention, there was a desire, and therefore it was also very exciting to, to, to start my experience over there. And what was behind your decision to move from one country to another one? What was the driver? I never thought that my life would have to develop just in a, in one country, namely back home. And like I said, when I my very first experience abroad was in 2006. That's when I, when I went to the States. And once you, you realize there's a lot more out there that you can find out about, then it, go, it usually goes in either direction. You, you either hate it that much that you don't want to do anything, to, you don't want to have anything to do with, with, with going abroad, or you decide to go because you want to see much more. And you know, I've met people who had the you know the worst end of the stick where they said I don't that's it I like to be at home and for me it was more of a I like this I like I like being in a, in a place where I need to learn the language and, and connect with locals so much that you know when I when I uh, landed in Brazil my knowledge of Portuguese was very little and the main difference between Portugal and Brazil just to give you a sense as to for me and what it meant to go abroad. In Portugal, yes, the context was Portuguese, but the course that I was taking was in English with foreigners. Then I moved to Brazil, where everybody speaks Portuguese, of course, but not that many people speak English. And the course was in Portuguese with Brazilians. 
And for me, that was great. I mean, it was a lot of stress because all of a sudden you're taking master level courses in Portuguese, which you, you can't speak in the beginning. But for me, it was exciting. So it was that thing, that kind of a challenge and getting to know more about a culture through the language and food. That for me was a reason to initially go to Holland, or Netherlands, China, and then Portugal and Brazil. It's just curiosity. What is it out there and what's the best way to find, you know, to, to know more about it? Does that kind of answer the question, Robert? Yes, it does. And what resources and skills or perhaps mindset did you use when you moved to Brazil to take this course in Portuguese while you were not really skilled at that language yet? I think that was pretty much almost reckless uh, because uh, I, just, I just went. I remember when I had my interview for, uh, for my course, uh, they asked me, do you speak Portuguese? And I said, I speak Spanish. Does that help? And, it, and at the time, you know, my level of Spanish was nowhere as good as, as it is today. So I didn't think about it that much. Maybe today I would think about it more because it would be a different stage of, of my life and a different stage of my career. But at the time it was simply, let's just do it. Let's get on with it. Let's just go there. What's the worst that can happen? I had been in that position before. So when I went to the States, my knowledge of English was zero. And I still remember today, the day that I went to my first class in the States of high school after 14 hour jet lagged and my first class was accounting. And even in that case where I stayed a year, I never went home early. So I said, if I can do it with English, I can do it with Portuguese. So your strength was coming from the awareness that you overcome the same challenge in the past, perhaps slightly different, but still you made it. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. What I said was, I've done this before. Different language, different environment, but the framework is, is very similar. Now, at the time, I had a bit, of, bit more studies under my belt. I've done most of the process. I've gone through most of the process already. It, let's, let's see if I can rep, replicate it into a different environment. Um, to those who are listening and would like to do this big step. So to move abroad in a country where they are not very familiar with the language and perhaps there is a big opportunity. That could be, for you was a master, for someone else could be a job, or could be a relationship, could be anything else. Because we travel for, and we move abroad for very different reasons. All of us have our own stories. Yeah. What recommendation or what advices would you give to that person? I think what I would say first is just take it easy. Be aware that it's going to be tough. So I think what I would do is I would literally have a list of all the things that will be tough because they will happen. And also kind of relax. I mean, literally, it's a, sometimes it's more about, it's about your, the games that your mind plays on you when you're over there. List the things that will be challenging so that you know those up front so that when they happen, you're, you're prepared. Take it step by step. There'll be moments where you're, you, feel, you feel like you're not progressing, and that's fine. And I had those myself when I was in Brazil. Like I felt like I wasn't progressing with my language. I wasn't going anywhere. Next thing you know, I was defending my thesis in Portuguese, and I didn't know it was going to happen. And so sometimes you got to trust that your brain will be able to A, learn the language, and B, make sense of the new environment. So trust yourself because you'll make it through. Keep yourself honest. Set decent expectations for yourself. Things will not always go the, the way you want them to go. And it'll be tougher than you think it's going to be in the beginning. But if you pull through it at the end of it, you'll see that you actually made a huge amount of progress that you think it was, it was possible in the beginning. 
I totally agree with this. I guess for me, there was, in my experience in living in Austria, there was this idea that there was a kind of invisible effort that compounding exercise of like adding a little brick every day to the right. point that you look back, you have a massive wall that has been built. You don't even know how it's possible, but you have done it. So it's about perhaps trusting the process and allow the process to reveal the results versus spending too much time in, in tracking yourself and, and trying to monitoring and put pressure on yourself. I guess that like feel unburdened by the responsibility of progressing and particular right. avoiding the comparison dynamic that now is very often present out there from LinkedIn, social media, from speaking with friends, this idea of comparing ourselves either to our to us or to our expectation, but also comparing ourselves to others can be very counterproductive. Of course, everyone has a slightly different journey. Yours has been so diversified and fragmented, fragmented somehow because you were moving very often. Yeah, yeah. The continuity that other people had to build strong foundation. Yeah, I think, look, I had times when I was living in Brazil where I thought it made no sense. I thought I wasn't going as fast as I could have. And I've literally seen that I was struggling sometimes right? because my language skills were not as good. And that impacts the way you express yourself and the way you live your experience, the way you can work, the way you can engage with people. But I knew that that was the necessary step to ultimately being, say, being fluent or actually enjoying the experience. I guess because I had that awareness, I saw people who were going faster and, and learning better, quicker, but I knew what I was capable of. And the fact that, like I said before, you write that in the beginning as to what you know that might happen, then if it happens, like in my case, I thought I knew that I was going to hit a point where I would love myself, but I knew it. So I said, this is part of the risks slash scenarios that I thought I would encounter and it's happening. And therefore, you know, it's part of a plan. Let's keep going. For example, there was someone who I knew was a genius. Like the guy just came in Brazil in, in, in less than a month was fluent. There is no point in me comparing because it's, it's completely different. Different skill set, different abilities, but I knew mine. So I, I literally what I said is, I'll do exactly what I did in the beginning when I was in the States, which was I will trust that my mind, I will trust that my brain will just absorb things as I go. And, and it happened. They literally say, yep, yeah, I know, I don't know this. I will know it later on. So that's that's the kind of way, I, the kind of mindset I adopted. Because it's not that different from when you start a new job, if you think about it. Like you, there are a lot of things you don't know that gets your anxiety, a lot of things that makes you worried about. But overall, you will absorb. Your body, your brain just carries you forward. I mean, the same principle when you move abroad into a new environment. In the beginning, you're you are a foreigner in your environment, by all means. But then as you get acquainted with the environment, you will form part of the environment, whatever that might be. I think the challenge that people have is that they want the environment to change for them, but it won't. If you go to the UK, you can't expect the UK to bend to you. Very likely that you will have to pick up some of the habits in here and, and try to choose which one you associate yourself with the most and which one not and, and trying to kind of ease your way into the into the way of life. And that happens wherever you are and wherever you, you, you want to go. What did you learn about yourself 
So not about the experience itself, about you, your personality, your attitude, your way to react or to respond to the environment while you were living abroad. So the way to respond to the environment, like what, what, what do you mean? So with the environment, we can respond or react. So we respond when, the example that you gave, we try to blend with the environment. We try yeah. to be part of it and understand where we can sit. And we understand also the part of us that we need to let go somehow because perhaps it doesn't serve us anymore, that specific aspect of ourselves versus yeah. react is when this example, we tend to grab our identity and be defensive as we are about to lose an important part of ourselves? That's a very good question. Um, I would say that uh, I try to challenge my, my thinking a bit more than I used to. As in, you know, like the first time I left Italy, I had this view as to how things had to work out because that's the only way I knew. But then I go to the States and learn there's a new view. So initially I said, oh, that's the better view. But then I learned that actually there is no better view. It just each place has its own view of things. And that helps, you know, it's a little building block to your knowledge, which ultimately makes you believe and makes you conclude that it's challenge things, challenge your way of thinking because you're not always right. I think that's important. It kind of gives you awareness. Uh, and that awareness is needed when you, when you move abroad in, in any countries because. The worst thing that can happen is to go to a country and go, uh, yeah, but the way that things were done before in a different country was better. Well, that's a different country. You can't say it was better, but you can learn. So basically being a bit less uh, judgmental and, and actually challenge yourself a bit more. That's what I probably I would say. And in terms of like your own view of things, you said that you realize that you're not always right and perhaps the way to do in different countries are better or different than your own way. That we need to remind ourselves and the people that are listening to this podcast that we are born in a place without a specific choice. So as a child, we pick up the culture that we are growing up with. We yeah. know much awareness. Just when we grew up, when as an adult or perhaps by traveling, by moving abroad, there is this space for us to decide what to yeah. keep and what to let go. That's right. I had this theory. I don't know if it exists or what I had it in my mind, but uh, I just it just came to me. It's like, you know, you think of yourself as a, as a circle, right? You're a circle. When you start in a country, in your home country, you're a circle. That's your circle. But as you move into new environments, which mm -hmm. could be in the same country, but specifically, and more importantly, when you move abroad, you get a spike in your circle. And as you get more and more and more experiences, you get different. So automatically, when you go back to your home country, you will not be the same circle as you used to be because you changed, you morphed, you've added bits and pieces uh, from the different cultures and places you've been. You will, unless you have a closed mindset, and that's probably one big uh, key takeaway, unless you decide, because there's always a decision, unless you decide to have a closed mindset when you live in a place, then you will change hopefully for the better, but you will pick up habits or ways of viewing things from different places, people that you met in those places, culture that you're, you're, you're learned about as you travel or relocate abroad. And that's fine. And I think that the challenge is precisely accepting that 
or knowing which which part of the of that country slash culture you want to make your own. So when I uh, when I look at myself, but you know I, I do realize that sometimes I pick up some some of the habits, especially when it comes to work that I learned in the UK that that I didn't learn in Italy. But sometimes I, I pick up some of the traits of the Italian cultures and I bring them into my work life and so on. And I do this in a seamless way. And for me, that's, I think, the biggest asset because it's the combination of everything I've gone through. And I decide, okay, you know, if I want things to go in a certain way, then I pick, you know, I pull and leverage an area uh, of myself that, or a development of myself that I had in a specific country. What's the biggest gift or development, as you mentioned, a country gave you in terms of personality? Ah, that's a beautiful one. Um, I would say the UK has done. It's been a great experience because uh, maybe maybe I've been lucky so far and only one side of, uh, of working and living in the UK, which can be possible. Right? But what I've noticed is there is a, a better appreciation for someone's work and effort um, and usually a more positive outlook on things compared to, say, back home and a desire to go to do, you know, to get things done. So I think that's that positive outlook that view that you can make things happen if you plan them, if you work on them, and if you decide that you want to work on them, then I think it's one of the gifts that I would say that I can't say if I've been given those gifts, but I've you know, I've acquired as a result of living in the UK. I echo this. I think that my experience in London has been instrumental for me to learn that with effort, I can achieve whatever I want, even if I'm a woman, even if I just speak with a English accent. And I notice with people around me, in my own team, I have people that are from Germany, from France, from different cultures with also different religious backgrounds. And still all of them are treasured for what they do, what they deliver versus who they are. Right. What made you realize that the time in a country was over? I'm asking this question because, you know, for people that want to progress their career, it might be possible that they feel that they achieve what they need to achieve in their own country or perhaps in a country they are living at the moment. If they don't understand what are the signs or what are the clues to pick and understand it's time to move on. That's a very tough question for simple reasons because I had those moments where I thought that, let's say, I've got to change. But looking back, I believe it's it's a result of the stories that you want to tell yourself. Okay. So, um, look, there is always a reason why you want to go to a place. In my case, I was very drawn to Brazil, one, because of the language, two, the culture, three, the economy was at that time booming. So for me, coming from a background in economics and finance was very exciting. Then, you know, I, I did my master's, I was working as well, but... The, the economy took a downturn and it was very, very challenging to, to get a visa and, and the process was, was very complicated. I could have stayed there. Probably I could have found a way. It's just that, you know, I got to a point where I could no longer put up with the amount of bureaucracy and uncertainties and, and the lack of planning around the, the visa. But basically after a year and a half, and I just look at the way things were evolving and say, look, I don't, I don't see a way out. For me, it was like, okay, I give myself another six months. If it doesn't work out, I go home. 
all is going to be in Europe. In the beginning, he had an idea uh, of, of what he meant to be in Brazil. I think that I fulfilled that idea. Uh, and I, I enjoyed my experience a lot from a professional standpoint, educational standpoint, and life standpoint. Now, I call it quit, if you will, because I said enough. And maybe I was a result of a circumstance. I think that's why I said it's, it's quite tough to answer the question because I can only relate to my experience that, that was in Brazil. Uh, but then if I, if I had to extrapolate some a couple of questions for, for, your, for yourself, if you find yourself in that situation is, one, do you see yourself living in the country for at least the next couple of years? Because if you don't, then maybe it's time to move on. Two, which is probably should be the number one, but number two is, do you see yourself learning language? Now, I know there are situations where you can live in a, in a country without knowing the language. That's, that, that, that's fine. It, it exists. But I think that if you answer yes to the first question, that you see yourself living in a country, and B, that you see yourself wanting to learn the language, then your chances of, of wanting to stay in that country increases, right? Because if you don't care about the first one, you don't care about learning language, then automatically you don't care about the cultures. Or at least, okay, maybe that's a strong statement, but at least you're not, you're not that keen. You know, I know you can live in a country without knowing language, but it becomes increasingly frustrating. It also becomes somehow alienating because it's exactly. about setting up a boundaries for myself. I don't learn the language, so I put myself a limit so that I cannot fully integrate with the culture with the people. So I'm declaring myself as a form of outsider. That's what I am. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I, you know, ultimately we are, uh, you know, as, as human beings, we, you know, you want to connect with people. And if you learn, if you learn the language, you make the effort, then you will start appreciating or not, depending, the place a lot, a lot more. So those are two key questions I think uh, a person needs to answer, ask and answers. But then, you know, it also depends on, on, on the country. I mean, the, you know, when you move to a country, you're not detached from the economics of that country. And if a country is not working out or has a negative outlook, you, you don't have to stay because ultimately you need to work. Those are some three macro views, three macro points. Ultimately, it depends on what are your goals. If you want to work in a, in a major financial centers, then if you decide to go into a country that it's not a major financial centers, it might make it harder for you to achieve that objective, that goal. So there is also kind of a, what your preference, your professional preferences are. Last but not least, it's your personal preference. Some people say, I, I don't want to be in this specific country. I want to be in, some, in a different country. Or I've had enough in my country. I want to move because that country suits my, my stage of life now better than it used to five years ago. So those are some of the things you need to uh, need to look at. You mentioned that you do some mentoring outside the working hours. That's right. And let's assume that you had a mentee telling you that he fell or she felt a failure because he needs to leave the country where he is trying to settle down and move yep. back to the home country. What would you say to this person? I would say that she, she or he is not a failure simply because I think we need, to, we need to reframe what failure is if there is such a thing as failure because I, I don't even know if, if there is, right? Because we, we as people define failure. Even if you go on the dictionary, you'll find a definition of failure, but it's their definition. 
So you define your own definition of freedom. So if one of my mentees had, were in that situation, for example, say that uh, he or she is not a failure. And actually what he or she should look at is uh, how far that person has gone since the moment that they decided to go to a specific country to the moment that they left. Because during that time, it is very likely that they, that they grew in a way or another. And also, in the example that you just brought about, you, you never know why you have to leave a country. It could be that you have some, some issues to, to deal with at home. Does that make you a failure? It might be that you decide that uh, that person decides that uh, they, they don't see themselves uh, as a fit into the country. That, that doesn't mean you're a failure. I mean, it just means that uh, you, you actually you learn something. That's good. That means you're, you're aware. You learn something and you, you made a choice to leave. I think it take it takes guts to make certain choices. So I think that would be where I would I would focus. Yeah, I guess it's really for me the shift from the zero sum game dynamic. So this idea is right. like all lose all win or all win. And move to the win-win dynamic. Happened myself actually to move right. from Austria to Italy because of personal reason. My father was not well. And I remember that I was trying to frame that in a better way than just, I'm not lucky. And it took a while to understand uh. what was the point that was missing. You mentioned in our conversation that confidence is something that changed from the beginning to now the present. How were you at the beginning of your journey and how are you now? More confident. <laughs> you know, when you, when you first move abroad, you were... There are many worries because it's the first time that you go through the process. So you don't know what to expect. You don't know how you're going to react. And that is a lot of anxiety and worries and stress because of the unknown. Once you go through a process of moving countries constantly and you see how you react, you learn. And, and ultimately, confidence is, is brewed uh, from your your experiences in, in different situations and conditions and environments. And I would say that, you know, over time that I, I build that confidence because I make mistakes. I learn from those mistakes. And next time around, I try not to make those mistakes or whatever they might be. You're a bit more aware. Um, and I think that's confidence, like being able to, to take everything you learn so that next time around, it doesn't scare you. If I was desiring to increase my confidence with intention, so somehow a form of task. I want to do this. I want to improve my confidence because I don't feel it. What would you recommend me to do? What I would ask you to do is kind of ask yourself why you don't feel confident. We all know why we don't feel confident. Or if we don't know exactly why, we know if we think about it. We know what is driving our feeling of, of, of being unease about things. Right? So I think this is the, the first thing. And the second thing is that I would say that it's okay to make mistakes. I think confidence also is a result of you thinking, oh, I'm not sure if I'm making the right choice. I'm not sure if I'm doing the right thing because that will lead to mistakes. Mistakes will happen. So number one, you understand what is driving you. And this can be a, a whole host of, other, of many things at once. The two is, is, is around finding and understanding that if you make mistakes, the world is not going to end. And then third thing is breathe in, breathe out. I mean, literally, breathe in, breathe out is the, uh, or do some exercise because that's literally what's going to help you. It's, it's scientifically proven. Right? If, you, if you exercise a lot, a lot of your anxiety and all of your, your confidence, you get a boost of confidence. And in your case, like, 
was there a episode or something specific that made you feel actually a year ago, six months ago, I will behave totally different. So I can see with this situation that I improved. I feel more confident. That's a, I I wouldn't know where to start because it's uh, <laughs> work, for example. You know, maybe I wasn't confident enough to make some to make you know to present to some senior stakeholders, and then later on in the last few months, I practiced that a bit more. Then again, to do to make that jump was a recognition that I knew my uh, uh, my topic. Whatever I shared was shared because I had studied and I prepared. And for me, that, was, that, that kind of helped me because sometimes you go into a meeting where you think that you, you don't know enough. Well, actually, you do. Actually, you do, you do know enough and, and you should trust that you do know enough. So that for me was, it could be an example because I've done it and, and you probably do too. You do know your topic and you just need to speak. And your voice matter somehow. And as Michelle Obama said in her book, Becoming, this idea that if you're sitting at the table, you deserve the seat. You might not be aware of it, but you deserve it. In the same way you feel insecure or not fully confident, at the table there will be someone else that feels the same. Yeah, you're right. I guess I had a similar experience when I was working one of my very first jobs um, in project management for healthcare. And there was a mistake. There was a massive mistake in the plan that was presented. I knew, right. I knew the fact. But did they want to say anything? In three months, what I thought would happen actually happened. And right. I was so upset with myself, not even with him, with myself, because I could see from my previous experience. Yeah. While in another situation, a couple of years after, I found myself in a similar dynamic. And the driver of fulfilling my mission so to create a better healthcare no matter what the patient speaking english mm-hmm. language, made me speak up i remember that after this person came to me and thanked me because mm-hmm. i realized they would make like a massive mistake if we go ahead i guess for me I, what i realized that sometimes our values and our drivers are stronger than the perception that we have about ourselves and about our limitation. Yeah, I think I think we are we are very critical of, of ourselves. It is definitely something I've been working on on you know, on myself specifically because you know we always want to be better and uh, we are very quick to point out when others say good things and we are not as quick to point out when we do good things or then when we have good ideas. I think the mistake is believing that maybe your idea is the best, but but as long as you express your thoughts, your opinions, your views in a constructive way, then you, you turn that your idea into a discussion. And people like discussions, they like to talk. And I've seen this happen over and over again. It's also about reminding ourselves that if we are, like in our work context, sharing the same purpose, yeah. the idea that I'm keeping for me, just because I'm concerned or feel uncertain or I feel not very mm-hmm. confident, actually damage the company and damage the final goal because I'm not enriching the project or the process with my ideas, but I just prefer keep it for me. Let's go now to the fire questions. Ooh, I want to like ask you to do, to give me one word as an answer. Just one word and the first one that come up in your mind. Right. You ready? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Fish, meat, or veggie? 
Veggie. Wine, beer, or water? Definitely wine. Okay. <laughs> beach, mountain, or city with rich history? Sun chasers or beach. Mm -hmm. Dinner with friends, cozy evening on your own, or dinner with family? That's tough. I'll say family first. Okay. Now we got to be more serious. Are you a doer or are you a dreamer? I'm both, but I'm being more of a doer now. Okay. One word. You're not respecting the game. <laughs> risk taker or risk avoider? I would say risk taker. Okay. Tough conversation initiator or peacemaker? Um, more of a peacemaker. Eyes on the present or focus toward the future? Eyes on the present. Biggest strength? Flexibility, adaptability. Biggest vulnerability? Too much trust in people. The one word representing you? Uh, vibrant. And now at the closer, a few questions for you. Right. What is the one recommendation will you give to yourself of 10 years ago? One? Can one. I add two, two words or is it the same as before? You can have a sentence, but just one. Ah, okay. That's fine. I'll probably say just relax because things will work out in the end you can make it so no self-doubt you can make it and just enjoy the ride this is nicely connected to the next question what is the big worry you had but never came true so i had a big worry that i would i was never going to uh, find a job ever what is your best hope for the future i think my best hope would be besides being healthy because i think that's a uh, number one priority the best hope is that I, that I don't stop my learning. So I, I would like to always be involved in activities that are stimulating and, and, and around people that you know, overall make me grow further and more and faster. Okay, thank you for sharing. For the people that would like to gain touch with you, to know a bit more about your story or perhaps to ask some mentoring support, where can they find you? Well, first of all, you can find me on LinkedIn. I am quite active there. So, you know, if you send me a, a request, a bit of a message, so I know who you are, then very likely that we'll, we'll get chatting. Uh, and the second thing is on Medium. So I do write on Mediums every so often. So you can just find me on Eugenia, Python, Cibuscola, you know, dot medium.com. We will add all the content in the caption of this episode. So if you want to find more about Eugenio Cibruscola, you can find the information there. Thank you, Eugenio. Thank you, Dale. It was great for this conversation. And uh, I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye.